Due to the graphic nature of this urban legend, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes descriptions of animal cruelty, drug use, murder, child abuse, and the graphic depiction of child death. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Leaving your newborn is always hard, but it's only one afternoon. A little trip to the park for a quick date and back home in time for barbecue and beers. The babysitter ushers you out, even as the baby screeches and wails, telling you you're going to have the best time ever. Things go so well that you actually end up running a little late. You call the sitter to warn her of the delay. At first, you're struck by how quiet it is on the other end of the line. Maybe by some miracle, she got the little guy to sleep. You let her know you might be another 30 minutes. No problem, the girl replies her voice strangely high in pitch. She's already got the turkey in the oven for you. You look at your partner. Then you panic. You didn't buy a turkey. Welcome to Haunted Places, a ParCast original. I'm Greg Polson. Every Thursday, we take you to the scariest, eeriest, most haunted real places on Earth and share their stories. This episode is part of our Urban Legends Halloween special. Every day for the month of October, we're presenting our spooky spin on an urban legend, then diving into the history of the horror. Like it or not, each terrifying tale contains a grain of truth. You can find episodes of Haunted Places and all other podcast originals free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Haunted Places free on Spotify, just open the app and type Haunted Places in the search bar. At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. Today, we examine a legend with a name so evocative, it makes the mouth water and bile rise in your throat. The urban legend known as the Cooked Baby. The story of the Cooked Baby is exactly what it says on the tin, or oven, or microwave. In the case of mistaken identity, a newborn is cooked in the place of some kind of roast meat. The reasons for this unsettling error range from the overconsumption of scotch to tripping on LSD to just needing the baby to stop crying. But no matter what, there's always a child. And no matter what, their horrible fate is inevitable. Jules was not the babysitting type. But she needed money. She tried to get a job in a few restaurant kitchens, but they told her 15 was far too young to be showing such an interest in knives. So she'd started hitting the babysitting circuit. It was easy enough. Play with some kids, eat some pizza. But it was also mind-numbing work. Each kid blurred into the last. The houses all looked the same. There were only so many rewatches of Frozen she could handle before she started scratching the walls. But this time, she got to choose what they watched, because she was taking care of a baby. The baby had cried for hours, his little lungs practically bursting. 
snot dribbled down his face. It was a nightmare. Jules wanted to rip off her own ears and then the baby's. She'd taken care of literally everything, and the kids still screamed. And then, suddenly, with absolutely no warning, the baby stopped, falling asleep in her arms. Jules carefully placed him in his crib and headed back downstairs. But Jules was bored, so bored. So she took a tab of acid. Sure, it wasn't the most responsible choice, but the kid was already asleep and the parents would be home soon enough. She wasn't planning on driving or operating heavy machinery. She just wanted the world to get a little more interesting. At first, it felt like nothing was happening. Jules was still in a boring suburban house with nothing to do but watch television. Then, slowly, things started to change. The characters on the television turned to face her, addressing her directly. They reminded her that she needed to make dinner. Jules nodded her head, even though she was fairly certain that she'd already had dinner. The wallpaper started to drip down onto the floor in front of her, a series of bright pink polka dots dropping from the ceiling and splashing down on the floor. The pink ate at the hem of Jules' pants. It made her giggle. She stood up, her feet sliding slightly through the brightly colored mess. Jules scrambled across the living room to reach the kitchen. There was some reason she was supposed to be in here, but she couldn't remember what that reason was. Two feet away from her was the largest dog she'd ever seen. It was straining, tied to a leg of the kitchen table. His face looked cute from this distance, but as she got closer, she realized that the liquid dribbling onto the floor was foam and not drool. She kneeled down, keeping her distance. The dog snarled at her. Its eyes fell from their sockets, landing on the tile floor. The fur dissolved in patches along its body. Part of its jaw began to come unhinged. It lunged at her again, and Jules threw herself to the side, accidentally crushing the dog's eyeballs beneath her feet. It yowled in pain, like it could still feel them. She scooped the wet fragments of what used to be his eyes up and pushed it towards him. The dog sniffed them for a minute before licking them up off the floor. Its irises looked back at her from between its jagged teeth. Jules shivered. There was a glistening string between the dog and the table that looked sturdy enough, so she crawled farther into the kitchen, hand over hand. The floor was coated with something sticky, but she couldn't figure out what it was. She stood up and looked around. Everything looked as it should. What had she been doing? Like a beacon, the shiny chrome of the oven glowed against the dark blacks of the kitchen. It was a beautiful silver going green and gold and purple and green again. She walked towards it, skating her hand across the soft, shiny finish. It was colder than she thought it would be. Ovens should always be hot. It told her so. Jules set the oven to preheat at 400 degrees. She left her hands on the outside, delighting as ambient heat started to creep into the metal. She wanted to put something inside the oven, 
marshmallows or meat, something that would sizzle and turn brown, get a nice crispy skin on the outside and perfectly soft on the inside. It would be glorious. It would be the most brilliant idea anyone ever had. She dug around in the pantry, but she couldn't find any marshmallows. Somewhere, a baby cried. Jules sent one lingering glance towards the oven and then followed the sound. She trailed through the house until she came upon a room with a small, vibrant blue door. Jules opened it slowly, worried she'd find another dog. But she found something better. A turkey. She tried to pick the turkey up, but it was slippery. It flailed in her arms, making loud noises of distress. This wouldn't do. She needed it to sit quietly in the oven. Jules wrapped her arms around the turkey, tighter and tighter. It seemed to like that. The sounds quieted down, and she danced with it into the kitchen. She had never seen a live turkey in someone's house before. She figured it had to be there for dinner. But it wasn't humane to keep it alive before you cooked it. Jules knew all about lobsters and spent a few minutes thinking about their freaky antennas. Finally in the kitchen, Jules shifted the turkey into one arm and pulled out a roasting pan. She sat the turkey in the pan, but it kept rolling about. She didn't have another pan big enough to trap it, so she would have to make do with what she had. It was time. She had never made a full turkey before, but she knew what the process looked like from years spent hovering near the kitchen during Thanksgiving. Jules couldn't find any string, but she found some tape. She had no idea if you could put that in the oven, but it would have to work. It would be worth it. She taped the wings together behind the bird's back. Then she did the same with the legs. Now it looked like a real Thanksgiving turkey. She grabbed a knife and cut at the shoulders of the turkey pulling the skin away just a little to create a pocket for steam to pass through. The turkey squealed, but she kissed it, saying it would all be over soon. She really should have named it. That would have been respectful. The light pink meat was littered with dark red splotches from her cuts. She took the pan and put it into the sink. The turkey seemed confused now about its surroundings. She turned the water on. The blood started to wash away, changing colors as it swirled down. Purple, black, red. It made her dizzy to watch. Next, she rubbed butter all over the turkey's skin. Jules picked up the knife again and took a deep breath. She hated the process of spatchcocking, but the thought of that crispy skin gave her confidence. She brought the knife down, cutting half the skin and hitting hard bone. She kept going, whacking the knife against the bone until it finally gave way. She spread the meat out flat, making an even surface for the heat to hit. Then she put the turkey in the oven. Coming up, dinner is served. Now back to the story. Kyle and Sarah hadn't had a night out in months. This was their first real taste of freedom since Cole was born. 
It had taken a tremendous amount of planning to come together. But Kyle was overjoyed when a work friend came to him with the perfect recommendation for a sitter. Jules was a good kid. She got good grades, never got in trouble. Other parents spoke highly of her ability to connect with kids. They'd felt so lucky to find her. The smell of cooking meat greeted Kyle as he stepped through the door. He could have sworn he left money for pizza. Maybe they should have talked about which spaces were off limits. As though she could sense his anxiety, Sarah put her hand on Kyle's chest and told him to breathe. The food smelled delicious, and maybe there were some leftovers for them to split. Jules was probably just a go-getter. She'd listened so well when they explained how fussy Cole could get at night. The babysitter was sleeping on the couch. Sarah called her name, and the girl woke up slowly. She smiled at them sleepily. Her pupils were dilated, swallowing the rest of her irises. But Jules didn't seem at all phased as she stood up. Maybe the room had just been dark when she'd fallen asleep. The girl said she had a surprise for them, and then walked into the kitchen. Kyle caught Sarah's eyes and asked if there was anything strange about Jules. Sarah didn't notice anything. She told Kyle he was just being paranoid. Jules came highly recommended. He nodded. Something had changed, but he couldn't put his finger on it. Jules was louder. That didn't mean much of anything. She was a teenager. They were all loud. He followed Jules and Sarah into the kitchen. The table had been set with mismatched plates and cups. It looked like Jules was expecting several other people to join. When he asked about it, she said that the table had looked lonely with only two places. Jules' grip was surprisingly hard as she pushed Kyle into the chair. She wandered over to the oven and pulled something out. He couldn't get a good look at it, but the smell struck him immediately. Butter, maybe some herbs, and the never quite possible to describe umami quality of meat. Sarah had gotten to choose the restaurant, and she picked tapas, which meant Kyle had basically had chips and one shrimp for dinner. Saliva pooled and coated his tongue at the very thought of a good, hearty roast. Jules kept her back turned to them, raising the knife a little too high in the air before bringing it down. Flecks of blood dotted the kitchen table. He wondered where she had gotten the bird from in the first place. She came over with plates of meat slices. They were smaller than he expected them to be, the length of his thumb, and blood stained the meat in odd places. But he liked his steaks rare, so he wasn't too concerned. A dead animal was a dead animal. There was no need to pretty it up. He took one bite and was in absolute heaven. The meat melted on his tongue. It had been marbled beautifully, the ample fat containing a complex flavor that he couldn't quite place. Somewhat like the pork belly he got at a ramen or Korean barbecue place, yet far more delicate. Sarah was enjoying herself as well, making small sounds of appreciation as she snacked on the food. Jules was beaming, her hands resting on her chin. Kyle asked if she wanted to have some. Jules told him that she had wanted to do something nice for them. 
They had been so cool to just let her chill in the house with the dog and everything. Kyle paused. They didn't have a dog. He explained this slowly, and she pointed to a spot on the floor, claiming that the dog was there. She quickly added that she was sorry about poor Fido's eyes. He checked under the table, but there was no sign of a dog. Or its eyes. Kyle nudged Sarah, but she was preoccupied with the meat still. Licking her fingers, eyes closed in ecstasy. He wanted to get her attention, but she waved him off. Kyle wanted Jules gone. Whatever game she was playing, he didn't like it. He didn't like the look of her eyes, either. She looked spaced out. He paid her for her time and then asked her to leave. She was surprised at first, holding the money like she'd never seen it before in her life. Jules commented on how soft it felt against her skin. Kyle had no experience with illegal substances, but he'd seen enough movies to understand that she'd been high while watching their eight-month-old. She stopped on the doorstep and told him that she was glad that he liked the turkey. She hadn't been planning to cook anything tonight, but the oven had just looked so inviting. She'd never been at a house with a live turkey before. He kept his face still and stoic as he told her to go home, keeping his breath even. He turned towards the kitchen, but his eyes kept darting toward the stairs. Jules couldn't have been that good of a babysitter if she was intoxicated the whole time. He called out to Sarah that he would be right back and headed up to Cole's room. Well, Jules had at least left the music on like they'd asked her to. Cole tended to get fussy at night, and they had worried how he would handle a night without parents. He crept towards the crib, expecting to see his little bundle of joy. There was a lump in the middle of the bed, a blanket. They'd asked her not to wrap him in a blanket, so he wouldn't accidentally suffocate himself. The girl did not listen well. There was no baby inside the blanket. Kyle checked the other rooms on the top floor, but he couldn't find Cole anywhere. Their child was missing. Panic overtook him. He called out to Sarah, asking if she had seen Cole downstairs. She hadn't, but there was something he needed to see down here. Kyle wanted to keep looking upstairs. Sarah's voice grew more panicked. He descended the stairs and headed towards the kitchen. She was crying. He asked what was wrong. Sarah showed him some butcher pins embedded in the bottom of the roasting pan. Jules had pinned the creature while it was alive. It was also cruel, she wept. They weren't anywhere near a farm with live animals. A dark thought entered Kyle's mind. Jules had seen a live turkey. That's what she said. He thought it was like the dog. Some weird phantom vision. But Cole was missing. Jules had wrestled a living creature before pinning it to the pan. A living creature they'd eaten together while she smiled, pleased with herself for having made such a grown-up meal. He crept over to the kitchen counter. His heart stopped. There was a diaper sitting next to the fridge, thrown aside like discarded packaging. The tiny bones of an animal 
almost like a bird's, were still in the roasting pan, coated in the delicious juices they'd enjoyed so much earlier. Then he noticed the tiny hands and toes, Cole's adorable tiny feet. Kyle's stomach dropped to his shoes, its contents rising in the other direction. He grabbed the counter and heaved. His child was dead, and his remains would come up soon enough. The cooked baby is a potent combination of parental anxiety and the reefer madness type fears that grew exponentially in the 1960s, thanks to the growing popularity of LSD and other forms of hallucinogens. While fears of weed, LSD, and sometimes even scotch are generally woven into the cautionary tale, drugs are not entirely essential to the story. Folklorist Lydia Fish recounts a version of the cooked baby that trades drugs for what sounds like a postpartum psychosis. After the parents left, the baby started crying. No matter what the sitter did, the baby would not stop. After a time, the baby's crying drove the sitter mad, and she put the kid in the oven and turned it up as high as it would go. A variation of the cooked baby story tends to circulate the web at least once a year on clickbait sites. The drug of choice nowadays seems to be meth, and this time the babysitter intends to cover the infant in barbecue sauce and eat it. But sometimes, truth is more horrifying than fiction. On September 23, 1999, 19-year-old Elizabeth Renee Otti was arrested for the murder of her one-month-old son, Joseph Luis Martinez. She had folded Joseph in half before placing him in the microwave. Her lawyers argued that Otti, who suffered from epileptic seizures, had been out of touch with reality when she killed her son. Adi pled to involuntary manslaughter and was given a five-year sentence. It's the visuals of the cooked baby that really stick with you. The question of which protein is which, and if you can trust the person watching your child to know the difference. So it's probably best to pay generously and invest in a quality entertainment system. You don't want anyone taking a risk and deciding to be helpful. Thanks again for tuning into Haunted Places. We'll be back tomorrow with a new urban legend and on Thursday with a new Haunted Place. You can find more episodes of Haunted Places and all other podcast originals free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all your favorite podcast originals, like Haunted Places free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Haunted Places on Spotify, just open the app and type Haunted Places in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. Until tomorrow, don't believe some of the things you hear. Believe all of them. 
Haunted Places was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, with sound design by Kenny Hobbs. Production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Joel Stein, Maggie Admire, and Travis Clark. This episode of Haunted Places was written by Lil D. Ritter and Jennifer Rache. I'm Greg Polson.